everybody. Amen. 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 So good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And you can be seated if you'd like. Amen. Such a privilege to be in his house today. Amen. I'm thankful that not only are we here, but that he is here. Praise God. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Amen. I'm thankful for what God is doing. Thankful for the presence of the Lord that we can feel when we leave this place. Amen. That we can feel every day of our life walking with him. Amen. No matter what we're going through, that he is with us. Amen. I'm thankful that he is with me. You know, I like to go visit my family and my friends. And as long as I am at their house, I am in their presence. But when I leave their house, I'm not with them anymore. Amen. But whenever we go, as long as we have made this his house. Bible says that our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But when he's dwelling there, it don't matter where we're at, he's always with us. Amen. When the good times and the bad times, he's there. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for him today. Amen. Amen. I, I just felt today to sing an old song. Amen. In fact, I think this is the first song that we ever sang together back about 10 years ago. So, amen. Just worship with us this morning. Amen. As we sing.
Jesus, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you'd stand with me this morning, amen. I'm glad that he had mercy on me. Amen. I'm unworthy of his mercy and worthy of his touch. Amen, but I'm thankful for his mercy. Amen, I'm thankful for that day. Amen, as he suffered so greatly and he looked ahead in time, he saw me. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Hallelujah, 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse number 1. First Corinthians 15 and 1. Moreover, brethren, declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Praise God. For a little bit this morning, I, mean, I want to preach on this subject. The greatest gift was on the tree. The greatest gift was on the tree. Amen. Can you lift your hands? Ask God to have his way today. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you, Lord, for your touch. And God, we're just asking, Lord, that you would have your way in this place today. God, I need your help today. I need your touch, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, we need you today, Lord. We want to see your perfect will done, God. In every heart, every soul today, God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. And you may be seated. Amen. In case you've been hiding in a cave, I thought I would tell you the season that we're in is the Christmas season. Amen. And I have many times in my life that I can remember many memorable gifts. Some good and then some other ones. Amen. The ones with the, the sweater, amen, that I wouldn't wear 
if I didn't have anything else to wear. Amen. Uh, or I, I remember one year, it was, it was a good gift, but it came, amen, with a little bit of <clears throat> crow eating, I guess you could say. My mom came, they always had us fill out a wish list, and so... Amen. We'd get the Sears wish book and uh, start digging through there, finding the toys that we wanted. We'd write us a list and uh, we'd get a magnet, stick it on the refrigerator. And I, there was a certain toy that my mom asked me if I wanted. And I said, no, I said, it looks cheap to me. I think it'll break. She'd already bought it. So when I opened it on Christmas Day, she's like, I'm sorry. She's like, I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Amen. It was a memorable occasion. Amen. And uh, there's at other times, my mother-in-law, and if she's listening this morning, I love you. But, uh, but uh, it seems like every year, I made a big joke out of it now, so she won't do it. But for several years in a row, she bought me the same set of pliers from the same store. Well, I got like three sets of them every year in a row. And so uh, one year, I opened up my present. I'm like, well, where's my pliers? And she goes, what pliers? I'm like, the ones you bought me the last three years in a row. And so she hasn't bought me any more since. But amen. But there's, there's memorable gifts that we have. But uh, I'll tell you, the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind is not something we're going to find uh, wrapped in wrapping paper somewhere on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Amen. That wasn't the greatest gift. It could be the most amazing thing. It's something that we've desired in this life and something that just blows our mind when we open that gift. But I'm telling you, that is not the greatest gift that was ever given to me. Hallelujah. Amen. If we go back to the very beginning of the word of God, we read about this man called Adam who was placed in the Garden of Eden. He was placed into this utopia, this perfect place that God had created, that God spoke into existence. He created these beautiful trees and beautiful plants. Every animal lived in harmony with each other. There was no death. There were no carnivores yet. Everything was peace. It was a perfect place. He was put there to be a caretaker, overseer of this garden. And uh, he was ordered to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything else uh, he could eat of except for this one tree that was in the middle of the garden. Hey man, now you would think that because there were, I believe, very many trees, no doubt, and uh, many things that they could partake of, uh, you would think that one tree would be able to be easy to ignore. Well, it just got real quiet. You would think the one thing that was forbidden would be easy to walk around. But one day, for some reason, they were by this tree and the serpent began to beguile Eve and began to tempt her and tell her that if she ate of this tree that she would have all knowledge and would be as a God. He began to really lift it up and she looked at the tree and saw that it was good to eat. Which makes me think that to that point in time they had simply really just kind of ignored it. But that day she stopped and really began to look at it. And begin to desire it. Begin to see that it looked good to eat. And so the Bible says she took, she ate, she gave it to Adam, and he ate. Romans 5 and 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, 
and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Amen. It may have been that one man that brought sin into the world, but I'm telling you, he was not the last one to do it. Because every man save one that's walked on this earth has sinned. And I say man as in mankind. You women don't get a a pass on this because you have too. Amen. We have all sin. None of us are perfect. And uh, at one point in time, every one of us had that moment where we saw that forbidden fruit, if you would. And, uh, and instead of going around it, we stopped and partook of it. Uh, and sin entered into our own lives. Amen. We know that, uh, that after that they ate of this fruit, their eyes were open to the fact that they were unclothed uh, and naked. They went and made themselves apron of fig leaves. And, uh, and when God came in the cool of the evening to talk with them, they went and hid themselves from God. God said, where are you? And he, he said, well, we're over here. And he said, well, why are you hiding? And he said, because we're naked. And, and God said, who told you you, you was naked? And uh, God went and killed an animal, took their skin made them robes of skin, kicked them out of that garden, got them away from that place because of sin. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And death entered into the world because of the actions of this man named Adam. Amen. It was deemed that it required a blood sacrifice because of sin. Didn't matter who sinned, the law stated that a bullock, kid, goat, or lamb was killed as a sin offering. The sacrifice, it had to be spotless, could not have a blemish, it could not be the, the, the least choice of the herd, but it had to be the choice of the flock. And even at that point, was inspected, and if it was deemed to not be perfect, it was sent back because it had to be a perfect sacrifice. Amen. They could not offer an impure or a a blemished sacrifice, but it had to be absolutely perfect. Atonement was made for their sin once a year. If you read in the Old Testament, once a year a sacrifice was made for the whole tribe of Israel. They, They took the blood of that sacrifice and went and sprinkled it on the mercy seat in the holies of holies, trying to push that sin back for a year. And every year, they had to do it over again. High priest, if I understand the scripture correctly, would lay hands upon a goat. And that goat would be led outside of the camp and released, bearing the sins. The scapegoat, if you would. Taken outside of the camp. They were rolling the sin back for a year, but it was still there. All the sacrifices. I'm telling you, it had to be perfect, perfect, perfect. And no man could be perfect. Many men have tried to be perfect. Many men live a very good life and are very good people, but they cannot be perfect because somewhere there's going to be sin. I've known many a very good person that didn't even live for God. They were just good people, upstanding citizens. They they helped people out. They were good people, but they were not perfect people. Amen. But God had himself 
a plan from the very beginning of time. And uh, we read in John 1 and 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, the plan. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He had this plan from the very beginning. Verse number 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God realized that no man could walk perfect. So what he did is he came and made himself flesh. He came and had a little bad, made himself a body and came and dwelt among us. He came down. He didn't send somebody else to do it, but he robed himself in flesh and came and walked among us. He came to be that spotless sacrifice. He came to be that perfect one, that one without blemish, that one that was tempted in all ways like as we yet without sin he came to be that perfect one hallelujah hallelujah he came to be the lamb slain from the foundation of the world he came and he came to be that sacrifice for you and for me hallelujah Hallelujah. I know I've said this over the last few weeks, but amen, we're in that time of celebrating the birth of Christ. Amen. Last night we, we went driving around and, uh, and I had heard about this thing. I think they call it Christmas card something, the Elaine or something here in Old Lathan. We went and drove around looking at the Christmas lights and the decorations. And, and my kids, every time they saw a nativity scene, they'd be like, oh, there's Jesus. If we recognize that nativity scene as the birth of Jesus, that innocent little baby laying in a manger, amen. That innocent little baby didn't come just to heal the sick, though he did. That innocent baby, of course, grew up, became a man. But from the beginning, the plan was is that one day he would take that trip to Calvary. The reason he came was not to feed the 5,000. It was not to cast demons out, though he did. To heal the sick, to open blinded eyes, to open deaf ears. It's not the reason he came, though he did those things. You see, he came to be a sacrifice. We find him in Gethsemane. Amen. In that garden, praying. Not my will, but thine be done. Nevertheless, he said, if it be thy will, let this cup pass me. That, that man did not want to suffer. He did not want to feel the nails in his hands and in his feet. He did not want to feel the crown of thorns pressed into his head. He did not want to feel the whiplash upon his back. He did not want to feel the pain that he knew was coming that night. But he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Not, not according to my will. I, I'll do what you want me to do. And so it was but a few minutes later that Judas comes walking up to him with that great mass of people with swords and spears. And he walks up and kisses him. Jesus said, what are you doing, friend? 
And he said, why are you coming at me with sword and spear? He said, I was with you every day in the temple. And they came and they took him. And thus began the suffering. Amen. We've sang about it today. I love that kind of confirmation. Amen. The old rugged cross. They took him and I... I was just reading about it in my daily devotional Bible reading and, and reading the story again and how, what he went through. They beat him. They punched him. They slapped him. False accusations. They would question him and he would not say a word to the point that Pilate marveled at his silence. An innocent man, a man in whom they could find no fault. I'm telling you right now, if they pull me in for a trial, they can find fault. Because I have failed him. You can find fault in me, but they could find no fault in him. But yet, as prophesied, by Isaiah as his sheep before his ears is dumb so he opened not his mouth he would not defend himself you say well why didn't he because he knew why he was there he knew what he was doing he knew what he had to do why because he knew we would be in this place tonight and that we would be a sinner and we needed the blood to cover us Tried him, Pilate tried him, found out where he lived and sent him to Herod. Herod had his fun with him, sent him back to Pilate. Pilate tried to trump up a reason to somehow release him because he could not find anything wrong in him. And so he offered a vile, vile man by the name of Barabbas or Jesus because it was a time of year when they released a prisoner. They said, which one do you want? And they said, Barabbas, this murderer. Amen. He was released. And then he said, well, what would this have me to do with this man here? And they cried out, crucify him. The same crowd that had cried out, Hosanna. Hosanna. Chances are there are folks in that crowd that maybe fed the day that he fed the 5,000. But they wanted his blood that day. So not only is he feeling the physical pain of all that he went through when he was scourged and when he had that crown of thorns put on his head and they smote him on the head with reeds. Punched him. Beat him up. But he also had to deal with the rejection of people. Emotional pain, if you would. And finally, they'd send him this place called Golgotha, where they put their that old rugged cross, they laid him down and hung him up. Thus began that cruel, cruel death of crucifixion. A criminal on either side of him, a plaque over his head saying, King of the Jews. Folks mocking him while he's suffering. Said, if you're so powerful, why don't you take yourself down off that cross? Reality was, all he had to do was say a word, and there would have been legions of angels to come. But you know, he had love. 
for you that kept him on the cross. You see, what he was doing is he was giving the greatest gift that can ever be given, and that is that a man laid down his life for his friends. The greatest gift hung on the tree. Why? Why? Can you imagine the reaction in this day and age if an innocent man like him would have been killed publicly, tortured like he was? The outcry. See, why? Why did he do it? Why? He did it to set you free. He did it to give you hope give you peace he did it because he knew that sin required a blood sacrifice of a perfect spotless lamb and he was that lamb we read in our text today the gospel that Paul had preached gospels in verse 3 it said for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures you see he did it for our salvation and if we're going to find that salvation we then must identify with his gospel paul wrote in romans chapter 6 verse number 6 said knowing this that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin for he that is dead is freed from sin if we are ever going to find that place where we are free from sin we have to find a place of death And I'm not talking about a physical death, but I'm talking about dying out uh, to that old man in that old way uh, and taking it to an altar uh, and laying it down and dying out uh, and letting that thing go away when we ask uh, for his forgiveness. When we repent uh, of our sins, uh, we find that place of death uh, where we can be freed from sin. Amen. Got to repent. Got to die as he died. In the end, like he was buried, so we also have to be buried. In the same chapter, but verse number three of Romans six says, Know ye not. And so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, uh, we're baptized into his death. Uh, Therefore, we are buried with him uh, by baptism into death. uh, That like as Christ was raised up from the dead uh, by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. We must be buried with him by baptism. Hallelujah. Amen. And, uh, and then the question is, well, then how are we baptized? Well, the only thing that I know to do is to go to the word of God and see how they were baptized. 
Amen. I pause on Acts chapter 2 when Peter was preaching to them. They were pricked in their hearts and said, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter, who walked with him and was taught by him, was given the great commission by Jesus Christ. He stood up and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He said you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The same man that received that commission to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost stood up there and told them what that name was. That they had to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Acts chapter 8 and verse number 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Philip had gone and preached to these folks, and uh, and I tell you what, they were doing a great work. They were repenting, uh, and he baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus. He buried them, and the other apostles came and prayed for them. They might be resurrected, which we'll get to in just a minute. But Acts chapter ten. Verse 44, I'm just trying to show you what they did in the Bible. Because I believe that if we're going to find salvation, we've got to do it the way the Bible's written. We've got, we got to do what they did if we're going to have what they had. Acts chapter 10 and 44, while Peter yet spake these words, uh, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Uh, and they of the circumcisions which believed were astonished, uh, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, how did they know that they had the Holy Ghost? For they heard them speak with tongues uh, and magnify God. Uh, then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Can any man stop this? Can any man forbid the water? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. He went to these Gentiles and began to preach to them. And while he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on them. And they were astonished because the Holy Ghost was poured out. And Peter said, can any forbid water? We've seen them receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, obviously, God's hand is in this. Can we forbid water? And there was no answer. 
So he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter number 19. Amen. Verse number one, it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? They said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. We haven't heard about that. So he backed up just a little bit. He said unto them, unto what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. These were religious men. These were men that loved God. These were men that were living God to the best of their knowledge and ability. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. Every instance we find they were baptized in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. If we're going to be buried with him, we have to be buried in his name. Amen. If we're going to go down in that watery grave with him, we've got to go down in the only saving name. That only name we already heard it quoted. Whereby we must be saved. Hallelujah. And then, I was said, we'd be resurrected in the newness of life. As he was resurrected. After we die, after we're buried, he resurrect us into newness of life. Because Romans 6 and 5 said, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. When we're resurrected is when he fills us with his spirit. As we have read, these folks, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they spake with tongues as, the, as God gave them the utterance. Amen. He takes control of that most unruly member, that member that is the hardest one to control. But when we yield ourselves to him and he fills us uh, with the Holy Ghost, we'll begin to speak in a tongue uh, that we do not know. We'll magnify and glorify God in that tongue. As we're resurrected into newness of life. Hallelujah. The greatest gift that was ever given was hung on a tree. Hallelujah. And as with any other gift, we can choose to receive it. Or we can reject it. Praise God. Anytime somebody gives you a gift, you have an option to not take it. You say, well, that's rude. You still have the option. It's there. 
And it's a free gift that he's given. He died thinking of you. He died with you on his mind. One thing that Jesus is, is he's a gentleman. And he does not force himself on anybody. What he did was he gave us a way of escape from the sin and muck and mire of this world. He gave us that way out. It's a free gift to whoever wants it. Salvation's there. It's free. But we've got to want it. And to get it, we have to be obedient unto his word. We've got to believe in his word. Which means that we must repent of all of our sin. We must be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of those sins. And he said that if we would do that, it was a promise that he would fill us with his spirit. With that evidence of speaking in that unknown tongue, as the Holy Ghost came to indwell inside of this old flesh, and we could become a temple of the Holy Ghost. If you'd stand with me this morning, hallelujah, the greatest gift is not the one that's number one on your wish list, but the greatest gift was hung on a tree. The greatest gift shed his blood that you could find salvation. The greatest gift ever was given to give you hope for eternity to give you life eternal hallelujah the greatest gift ever given is available for you today amen if you want to take advantage of the blood that Jesus shed if you want to take advantage of the blood that dripped from his hands and his feet amen if you don't want his death to be in vain in your life won't you find a place today where you can repent hallelujah find a place where you can die as he died amen to be baptized in his name filled with his spirit you can leave this place a brand new person in him resurrected in a newness of life with a new understanding of the greatest gift that's ever been given. But it's up to you this morning if you'll receive his gift or if you will reject it. Your greatest gift will never be under a tree. The greatest gift will always be on that tree. The greatest gift was the blood that'll never lose its power. The blood that cleanses us. The blood that redeemed us. We're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. What will you do today with the sacrifice, with the gift that he gave to you? This altar's open if you'd like to come and seek the Lord.